if you don't ask for what you want because of that discomfort that you feel in that two minutes that you have that specific part of the conversation, the only person losing is you. Welcome to that Feeling When podcast, where we cut the BS and open up about the highs and lows of navigating your career. Each week, we'll be looking at what's inspired us, what we've learned, and what's made us laugh, smile, or cringe. I'm Poonam, the founder of Yes Mate, and I'm here to help you reframe your mindset, love your whole self, and develop self-awareness. And I'm Steph Sword-Williams. I am the founder and author of Foot Being Humble and I help people be unapologetically proud of their achievements and get over the fear of self-promotion. And I'm Daisy Morris. I'm the founder of The Selfhood and I'm on a mission to make social media feel more human and fun again. In today's episode, we're going to be chatting about that feeling when you've got to talk about money Oof. money money money, money. 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 Yeah. It it's a funny it's not funny though it's not funny it's actually a pain in the ass <laughs> so gang what's inspired you lately i actually heard such a good analogy the other day about pricing yourself and it was you go into the supermarket you pay 90p for a bottle of water you go to a restaurant you maybe pay three pound for some water you go to you go to Ibiza and pay about 80 grand (laughs) (laughs) for the same bottle of water but the point is you're not just paying for the water you're paying for the experience and I think so often I don't know I'm paying for the experience in Ibiza. Um, Another quality of the water. Oh God, absolutely not. It could be salt water. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but I think so often I used to do this a lot. I would pay just for my time. I'd build just for my time. And I've I've started to realise it's not just my time. It's the experience. It's the value. It's the knowledge. It's everything they'll take with them. And it's like the Ibiza. You're not paying for the water. You're paying for the memories and what you take with you. So I really like that because I think especially as service providers or um, even in your career, sometimes when we go in to negotiate salary, we just base it on our experience and not the value that we can bring to the table. So when I heard that analogy, I just thought it was a really nice reminder that when we're putting a quote together for a new client or when we get an inquiry or when we go for a promotion or a new job, it's like, it's not just the time. It's not just the experience. It's all of the value and expertise that you bring to the table. So yeah, I really liked that. Yeah, I love that. I think it's really good. I think it's it's just that important reminder also that there's always going to be other people charging different rates for quite similar things Mm. so if somebody is willing to pay the three quid or the 18 pounds in Ibiza well then why are you pricing yourself so low like Mm. I think that's also we we get scared about how we price ourselves how we cost ourselves but as well as that being a reminder that it's about the experience it also reminds you that people will pay differing amounts for a service so are you at the lower end of that scale or for an employee are you at the lower end of the salary bracket or, Mm. or do you want to be at the higher end and I think men are particularly good at this. We, w- we won't bash men too much on this this podcast, but I heard something about um, the gender pay gap where they said that in as soon as graduates come out of university, the if there's a salary bracket, men will always go for the higher end and women will always go for the lower end. So that means literally right out the gate from 
university, the gender pay gap begins and it only widens and widens and widens. Yeah. And I think it is just that thing of like, I don't think you should base your costs on what everyone is doing or your salary expectations. It should be up to you, what you want, what you feel happy for doing the work for. But do always make sure that you understand what other people are offering, how they are packaging it up and where you sit amongst that lineup. Yeah. And I think... I guess the problem with that, not the problem, because I think we could fix it, but it's it's on us to do that. But women don't really talk about money. Mm. We don't talk about it at all. There's a lot of shame and guilt that surrounds it. And I remember my coach saying to me, she asked me what I was charging for a few of my services. And then she told me what she paid someone else a few months before to do something <laughs> that I was doing. And I was like, oh my goodness, I was undercharging so much but I didn't know I didn't know what the competition was charging and I also saw this this meme went viral on LinkedIn from this recruiter and she was saying women men are charging double your day rates up your rates now and I think because we don't know I don't really know what my competitors charge but it almost feels a bit seedy to be like oh what do you what do you charge for like what's your what's your project fee and obviously there's bespoke projects and you won't work on the same thing all the time so quite often my rates will differ depending on the scope of work but it's still good to know what the kind of baseline is but in all honesty I don't really know like we talk about money quite openly which is so refreshing and I often come to you because I'm going to talk about this in a bit and tell the story but I've been known to negotiate myself down on a phone call um, without even being prompted before so I'm, I'm so grateful that I have you guys to be like what are you doing um, and be able to have that conversation but I think typically women don't really talk about salaries and when they do there's this kind of like weird embarrassing awkwardness that surrounds it but at the end of the day whether we like it or not money is really important you're absolutely right and I think there's a lot of cultural shame and stigma that goes around opening up about you know how much you charge how much you earn and all of that kind of stuff but it is really important and I think you're absolutely right it's so important to have these conversations openly I think especially with people that you trust because you're not just necessarily going to start chatting about how much you earn with with random people but um I wanted to talk a little bit about my inspiration, as you know, love a good book. So I'm reading this book at the moment called The Calling, Three Fundamental Shifts to Stay True, Get Paid and Do Good by Ra Goddess. And we will put this in the uh, notes at the end. So if anyone wants to grab a copy, this is not promotion, but I am. (laughs) Um, But yeah, she's incredible. And she talks about, you know, staying true. So really honouring who you are, understanding your deepest values, your grandest visions, getting paid and doing good and I'm a bit in the book where I was like I wish I had read this about five years ago this would have been so helpful um and just some tips that I wanted to to share from from the book and she talks about what do I want like what do I want so getting explicitly clear on what do we want how much money do we want to be earning per month how much money do we want to be earning per quarter what do I want to experience so how do we want to feel because that quality of experience is going to help us grow as a person grow as a CEO grow as a founder so what do we what do we want to feel like but then also who do we want to become as a result so how is this going to help us grow how is this going to help us evolve both within our businesses but also as an individual so how are we connecting the aspirations to something that's more deeper than just the materialistic gain of the coin right and I absolutely love that and I was like that is such a simple strategy that everyone can 
can think about right now and start making some notes and like that first question on getting clear and having clarity on what we want to earn and I guess I'm kind of at that point now as well in my career where I'm it's coming towards the end of the year and I'm reflecting and I'm thinking about moving forward what do I want because I think at the beginning of my journey I was very unclear um, of how much money I wanted to make um, it was more about the impact that I wanted to have on people and, and kind of the other bits of how I wanted to feel but it is really important to have that base ground that baseline and figure out how much money you want to earn and what you need to do to ensure you make that money but also not burn out at the same time and make sure that everything is aligned so um, just some tips there from from Ra Goddess uh, from me to you I really love that. And one of the things that I, I talk about at my um, Bitch But I Have My Money workshop is exactly that of what, how much money do you actually want? Like, what are you working towards? And also, what will that enable you to do? Because I think when you can attach something more emotive to it, it makes it a lot more it's not easier, but it, it pushes you to strive for that even more. And I think sometimes, because we live in such um, a capitalist economy, really, where greed is very much can take over people's lives and we're constantly longing for more and wishing maybe the grass is green on the other side and wishing for more and all of that, those emotions. Sometimes we lust over having more money without necessarily knowing what we'd do with it if we had it. And I think that's when it actually becomes quite tricky because you're running yourself into the ground or burning yourself into the ground for no, for no actual end result. Like you don't actually know why you're doing it. So I think, you know, if it's because you're buying a house or you want to go on a really nice holiday or whatever it may be, at least have that as your vision so that you're working towards it. Otherwise, you do just feel like part of the rat race and it does get really um, intense, actually. And I, I, th- I do think having an idea I actually say to people what's the lowest you're willing to accept because that helps you identify what exactly you said the the baseline amount and I I also say to people which for anyone listening this may be useful is like what are you willing to work for free for I don't advocate working for free I absolutely think everybody should be paid for their work but I also know I have worked at at various points in my career doing free things in order to raise my reputation to build a new relationship and it's really benefited me in the long run Mm. so I think it's about exactly like you said from this book is having those answering those really important questions before you go out on this this mission because otherwise it can be quite confusing in what direction you're actually trying to go in absolutely like for me definitely it was I was like I wish I had discovered this before because it's so simple when you strip everything away and that is actually what I'm going to kind of reflect back on and really figure out okay going forward um but also just to touch upon that as well i think when we're when we're negotiating or when we're you know putting ourselves out there for a new project or a proposal whatever it may be and i remember we us having this conversation in like what do you feel comfortable with communicating in terms of number but also how do you feel within your body and you know obviously i'm always going on about how we we feel in the body but how do we feel about that that number and that value that we're putting out there like do we feel comfortable with that and if we're if that project gets accepted are we going to feel resentful because we know we could have asked for a little bit more yeah and um 
all happy. Or happy. Yeah. Mm. It's always that thing of like, what's the number you're happiest to do the job for? Because Cindy Gallup says, say the number you can say without laughing at yourself. And I absolutely love that energy and I think it's great. But I also think sometimes that's not, well, very often that's not that easy. Like yeah. it's really not that easy. I love the mindset, but the actual reality of doing that is like, it's really tough. So I think the next level down or maybe a more accessible way to approach it is what's that, the number that you would literally get out of bed going, I'm happy to do this job. Yeah, I think it's also really important to remember that a lot of people will just charge based on their time and the things that excite them. But there's so many costs within our business that we have to think about. And for full transparency, it wasn't until this year that I even knew that. Like, obviously I knew that, but I didn't even think about that. And then I started working with a business coach and I actually got like proper accountancy support. And they were just like, it's not just your time and the deliverables it's everything else you're paying for my outgoings are there are a lot because I have a lot of subscriptions and um, I have support from time to time and when I started to think about that and when you actually break down and you extract all of those things you're not really left with a lot and I work um I want I work one-to-one -one and mentor um, some other social media managers who are early on in their career. And it's the first thing I ask them is, what are your outgoings as well? Because this isn't just your time. So I think as well as, yes, let's look at what excites us. And that's a really nice way to think of it. And that's something that my coach has really pushed me to do is charge what excites you because the worst thing they can do is come back and say, sorry, that's not within our budget. Could you work with X, Y, Z? And then you look to shave down the scope a little bit and you maybe compromise on deliverable Bottles. But before you even do that, have a look at, okay, tax, corporation tax or um, personal tax. If you're paying VAT, you know, VAT, all of these things, because I wasn't even thinking about that before. And then I, I, I don't like, think you do, mate. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, no one tells you. No one tells no, you. This is it. Like the, uh, honestly, go back like to like school days, but it's like these are lessons that kids should be taught in the education system 100%. as well as emotional well-being do you know what I mean like setting up when you're setting up a business what are the things that you need to to get in in order before making that step yeah I remember in year one I've been doing this outfit for about six months and then I went to the pub with my oh mate. my god I thought you meant year one in primary school <laughs> no oh yeah so my, <laughs> like, my first business venture in year one <laughs> no I wish I wouldn't be sat here now trust me I'm joking um but I was at the pub with my friend and she'd recently set up a limited company and she was asking me all these questions and she was like, oh, what are you doing about corporation tax? I said, what do you mean corporation tax? She was like, mate, you have to pay corporation tax. I, like, I don't know whether I just developed like this God complex around tax or something, <laughs> but I was like, no, I don't pay corporation tax. She's like, no, you do. And I hadn't been saving for it. And for my first, for, for, again, for full transparency, in my first year in business, I made way less than I did in my previous salary job. So that was a lot of money to me at the time. So I had to work extra hard to make that corporation tax back. But I was literally having this conversation a few days ago, just saying like, there's no rule book or manual for this. And that's why I think it's really really important at the beginning of your journey that you speak to people that have done this before because I didn't I did this by myself I didn't really have the support I didn't really know anyone I was doing it so I just kind of winging it and then I got six months in and thought shit I've got fat tax bill I didn't even know about um, I think everyone's felt that haven't they yeah everyone's had that feeling that feeling when you get that tax bill oh, oh god oh. that that needs to be a, mm -mm. an advert doesn't it yeah um 
on the, because I really like what you were saying, P, about how you feel in yourself when you're negotiating or when you're asking for money or when you're talking about salaries. I, my inspiration for this week is I read the book or I listened to the book Secrets of Six Figure Women by Barbara Stanny. Full disclosure, I'm not a six figure woman. Um, but I do believe in, and I think this is important for anyone, don't think that you shouldn't read those types of books because that seems so far removed from you because I wish that I'd have started listening to content, reading content about being a millionaire. Not necessarily because that's the end goal, but more just I think we very often only consume the content that is relevant to us at that point. Like, mm. you know, moneysaver.com, how can I make a quick bit of money? <laughs> how can I be a life life drawing life drawing artist? You can't no. I thought you could say life drawing what? model. No, that's what I mean. How can you be a life drawing model? Like like my I'm friend did that. that she said it was really empowering. So oh, really? Yeah. All the things that you used to do when you were a student, basically, like, think of ways to, like, make quick money. Anyway, so I listened to the book. And there, it's a little bit cheesy and it's a little bit American. But I kind of love that stuff anyway. But one of the things that she talks about is, do you make choices on what is easier in the now when it comes to money? Mm. So discomfort is temporary. So that feeling you're like, oh, this is so awkward. But what she says is the payoff is extraordinary. I love that. And this is so, so important for us to remember because nobody, I don't think anybody loves saying how much money they want or how much money they want to charge. I've never met anybody that enjoys that. But if you don't ask for what you want because of that discomfort that you feel in that two minutes that you have that specific part of the conversation, the only person losing is you. And what she's saying is, you know, like you will always have something to sell. You as an individual, there will always be something that people will buy. And you need to let go of not prioritize the discomfort over the potential payoff and I think it's just really useful to remember for anyone whether you are full-time working a CEO you're freelance whatever level you're at yes it may be uncomfortable and you, you might find it uncomfortable for your entire life but imagine the payoff that you could get if you just you know, and, right, yeah. until you just get comfortable and just... I th- and I think a lot of that comes down to, and this is also in Ra's book, is about limiting beliefs. Yeah. Limiting beliefs that we have around money. So, you know, like, what sort of uh, stories have been narrated to us when we've been growing up, as we've got older, around money and what are our perceptions? And do we do we function from those limited limiting beliefs like, oh, I'll never be able to make x amount of money so do we function essentially do we function from fear or do we are we ready to to kind of break that that fear but i think it takes time and i think especially for women as well like a lot of it is to do with like how we how we feel but our self-esteem and our self-worth yeah yeah definitely like am i ready to accept this do i feel i deserve this yeah am i deserving of it yeah am i worthy of asking for 5k Am I worthy for asking for 10K? And also, I think it's about getting... For me, definitely, over the years, it's been about getting comfortable verbally asking for that, especially, you know, when you're having the negotiations. Sometimes it's obviously over email, but there's been a few times where it's having that conversation around money verbally. And one of the things that I do is I've started to do and get better at it is actually just stand in the mirror and and practice saying Saying it. I love that. And and Or have a script. A script yeah, is really or have useful. Yeah, have a script. But for me, it's definitely about how do I... When I'm saying that, how do I feel? And what what are my non-verbals projecting? Because if I'm saying one thing, but my body language is like, oh, like a little bit... Timid, so true. Bit, yeah. that, 
that projects I think it's like 80% of your non-verbals speak louder than your actual words. Yeah. So it's making sure that your non-verbals and your verbal communication is aligned. So when you're asking for that money, that it's coming from like a wholesome space rather than a little bit scattered. Yeah. But it takes time and it takes practice. So anyone that, that needs a bit of a boost, I highly recommend like practicing in the mirror, get your mates involved, have a yeah. chat. I also think on the discomfort thing, it's about getting used to them saying no because that's a big thing it's like we build it up so much that we're like but what if they possibly say no and it's like well there's a 50 percent chance they could yeah and knowing that one you're not a failure it's not rejection all of those things as you said days earlier it's more about going okay well how can we repackage this or what have we got to work with or what where do i where do my responsibilities lie or what can i get in the future i think for so many and particularly for freelancers because we don't have that constant support we don't have somebody telling us we're doing a good job if somebody knocks your cost once it can very easily go oh I need to change my cost altogether or I need to it's it's we internalize it and that's a really hard thing to navigate so it's not just being comfortable with being uncomfortable when you're asking for it it's also with whatever response you get not turning that into the reason why you're not worthy of it because yeah. I have a big pet peeve at the moment where businesses say you're too expensive and I'm you're like you're not too expensive they just you can't don't have afford the budget. you you yeah. don't have the budget all you need to say and I want to do a post on LinkedIn about this is thanks so much for your cost unfortunately we, we don't have the budget we haven't allocated the budget we haven't got that available but we'd love to work with you blah 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 but when they say you're too expensive my boss said you're too much all of those things it really does just make you go what am I doing who do I think Mm. I am and you go into that imposter mindset and that fraud and all of those feelings so for anyone who negotiates or works with freelancers or any external suppliers please don't ever say that because it really can have a damaging effect on how freelancers value themselves moving forward yeah and I also think it's it's almost a responsibility of brands and businesses I get inquiries sometimes and I'll say what's your budget we don't have one it's like well give me just give me don't come to me then yeah and I've gone in before and I've intentionally gone a lot higher so it gives me scope to negotiate down and then they'll come back and say, oh, we actually budgeted X amount. And you're like, well, you so you did have a budget yeah. then. Why don't you just tell me that? Yeah. yeah. And I think also for on the receiving end for, for freelancers and, you know, for anyone that is on that receiving end, I remember this is something that you said to me, Steph, at the very um, early stages of my, of my journey was that it's no doesn't mean it's no forever. It's no for now. Yeah. yeah. Take no as a not right now. Take no as... And that applies with everything, not getting a job, not winning clients, everything. And actually just, I think sometimes we do get, especially if it's a dream client and stuff, we do sometimes get attached to like, I'll put this proposal together and and then when you get that no, it is disheartening. But just remember that you don't know what's going to happen in the next 12 months. So for instance, I was chatting to a client, really excited, thought things were going to happen nothing happened didn't hear anything for 12 months and then they just recently got in touch for me to run a workshop so I also think people do remember and do hold on to if they see the value when they have budget yeah hopefully they do get back in touch definitely so what are the learnings Dave do you want to kick it off I think you've got quite a funny <laughs> story oh I've learned my lesson <laughs> 
No, I think in the early days, not so much now. In fact, not at all now. I actually feel really confident, but that's taken so much work when it comes to pricing myself. A lot of work. Um, but I have been known <laughs> to be on calls and people say, oh, what would you charge for a webinar? Or what would you charge for this? And so I oh, £500 for a webinar. Well, I could do it for 250 to be fair. Or actually, what about 200 In fact, should we just, should we just call it 100 <laughs> And then I'll leave the call. Like, am I okay what just happened um i don't think you're alone in that yeah, i think so many of us have done that and i think it's the verbal piece because i was okay on email but it was saying it to somebody out loud because again these conversations are so taboo it felt it felt really unnatural for me to be saying those words and also in my head it it felt silly to be saying that out loud because again it's just it feels cringe it's embarrassing but it's not it's not you have to pay your bills so i had to do some big unlearning around that and again when i speak in mentioned my business coach a lot today but she has really really helped me overcome my mindset towards money and how I price myself and earlier this year at the beginning of the year she just kind of said to me this is all about and you actually touched on this a minute ago P um around how your how you see your parents spend money and your view on money when you're younger is how you view money as an adult so I know for me, my parents were super generous. Like they would buy drinks for everybody. My mum would always take her mates flowers. And as a result, I realised as an adult, I feel really weird about accepting things from other people. So when I go to the pub, I'm like, oh, I'll get this. And when I'm out for lunch, oh, I'll get this because I've, I don't like the idea of taking from people because I watched my parents do that for a long, long time. And that definitely seeped into my business. I felt almost like I'll just do this work for free honestly I've loved it so much (laughs) (laughs) and I had to work really hard on not just accepting money but accepting chunks of money that I deserved and had worked really hard for um so I think that's been the main learning for me and I also listened to a really good podcast on this um we can put it in the notes and they essentially say that what your parents earn sets the kind of standard for what you aspire to earn so you kind of look to that as okay that's my baseline and the way that your dad worked when you were younger or your father figure in your life worked when you were younger um, that's what you aspire to in your work ethic so if you see that the the dad figure in your life was constantly hustling and working really really hard for money then you associate having to grind really hard for money and my dad worked really really hard and I, I really respect him so much because you know he, he worked really hard and um yeah but I saw that I saw him working all the time and I think I low-key associated earning money with working really hard and I did that in lockdown I worked so hard and I was burnt out and don't get me wrong I made good really good money but it wasn't fulfilling it was not fulfilling it was not money that I could enjoy because I wasn't well I felt like shit to be honest so the money was in the account and it was like I can't even enjoy this because I feel rubbish so I think it's about my biggest learning is decoding what money actually means to me on like a deeper deeper level than just what I charge it's where do these stories come from where does this narrative come from what have I watched as a child and how has this seeped into my adult life and then how can you change that I think once you acknowledge not just money but anything in your life any I don't want to say a default because it's not it's no one's fault but once you acknowledge where these ideas come from you can then start to think about, okay, is this fact or is this a story I've created? And then you can move from there. But 
I'm happy to say I've come a long way from negotiating myself down, but I know there's still lots of work that I need to do. There's loads of work I need to do around money. And yeah, I think it is It is just a tricky subject. It's a really challenging subject. It's a journey, isn't it? And I think it is really important, like on this journey that you have a good support system and you have people to have these kind of conversations with because I remember before I'd met both of you like that struggle of having these conversations with myself and I think we speak about it a lot but especially during lockdown how fulfilling how important our relationship has been built over WhatsApp and how honest that we can be in talking about these conversations because not only does it affect like you said our our businesses but the impact it has on our mental health and our physical health. Yeah. And to anyone out there who is struggling on their own, get out there, make some mates, connect with people, find the, find your community, find... And I don't think it's even about having loads of people. I think it's about having a good group of peeps where you can actually open up and, and have these conversations with, which kind of leads me on to um, a little learning, a little learning, but also a big learning as well. Um, so... I'm part of the Stack community and uh, joined... Big the, up Stack, by big the way. Up stack. Yeah. We're all Stack members. Big We're big fans. Um, and uh, she was talking about why do we give away our resources? So what are we giving away? So really think about time, attention, effort, affection and resources. And so often, like, I I do a lot of free work as well for different communities, Um you know in projects that I really believe in and then sometimes I do feel a bit burnt out afterwards and again it's coming back to those questions of you know what are we what are we giving away because money is just one thing right but then that that added value of our time our attention our resources and not just our resources in terms of knowledge but resources in terms for me it's like our presence and how I hold space like We've all spoken about when we do workshops or talks. Like sometimes it is so draining afterwards, and then you think, "Shit, why did I do that?" Yeah, like you feel absolutely Feels knackered made. afterwards. So, for me, the biggest learning has been about, you know, what resources am I giving away to other people, and how am I replenishing myself in terms of yeah, of resources as a whole. So, big up Sharmadine for shining light on that. Yeah, it is. It's so important, and I think. Because we live in a world where it's so like, what's next? And it's like, give, 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 give. You always feel like, is there ever an end to it? Or mm. how am I, exactly you say, how are you re- recharging, restocking? What where, If you're always giving to everyone else, what are you getting back? And it's such a, exactly what you're saying about your parents as well. Like it all, all, all of our life experiences affect the way that we see money. We experience money. We want to talk about it. And I think sometimes we just have to be, a bit more intentional with how we not only ask for it, but also <laughs> he's just dribbled towards us. So we're all trying to carry on talking. <laughs> like we've seen that. All good. Uh, but yeah, just being more intentional in terms of both how we ask and what we give, but also how we reflect on that and how we recharge in that way. Yeah, and I love that. And I think it's so important first of all actually to get clarity on what that intention is get clear on what the hell you want because if you're not clear then it is hard and I'm talking from experience it's difficult figuring out like how much money you want to make what should I be doing if you don't actually if you don't actually know yeah and it also gives you really nice goals to work towards so if you set yourself like okay I want to make 10k this month 
that then gives you the scope to then say, okay, how many webinars do I need to do? Or how many new clients do I need to take on? Or how many projects do I want to do? Like, you can then get really clear in what you need to achieve because sometimes when you've just got a ballpark figure and you don't actually know how to dissect it, you're then like, well, how am I actually going to make this happen? Whereas it could be 10K, it could be 5K, it could be 2K, whatever, whatever, you know, you're working towards at the moment. But you can then look at all of your offers, say, okay, maybe I need to do three of this, two of this, five of this. And it just gives you that angle and also how to promote yourself as well and promote those offers. And if it is new business, then you know that you need to go to more networking events or maybe go on a bit of a LinkedIn spree, whatever that looks like for you. But I think that's so key that what you've just said, P, about have that clarity around what what that looks like for you and what those goals are and also it's like with with money as well it's like what are you reinvesting that money into as well Mm. right so in your personal life so for me this year definitely was around um me getting accredited in my coaching so you know what the things that i need to do in order to to sustain that to sustain my personal life as well as as well as business therefore what have you learned about negotiating I kind of want to talk about two sides to it because I'm mindful that we we sometimes veer into talking a lot about freelance, but we've got lots of different people listening. And I just want to talk a little bit about, for anybody working full time, I interviewed uh, Matthew Ajan, who is the founder of Bounce Cinema Club, and it's a really great platform, so highly encourage everyone to check it out. Um, sometimes I think as women we kind of overcomplicate things, sweeping generalization, but we do. And I've worked with a lot of men who, when it comes to money, are just a lot more cutthroat, a lot more direct. And when he was on one of my panels, he said, money is everywhere, you just have to go find it. And I think a lot of the time when we are in bad money mindsets, we ear on the victim side of things rather than what is everything I can do to change the situation. So from personal experience, when I worked full time, I moved jobs six times in seven years, which some people may like, some people don't. Um, But for me, it was always about, I wanted to be in different environments. If I didn't get paid what I want, I'd move on. And it was a lot about knowing my worth and knowing that I deserve to be paid a certain amount and I didn't want to be strung along. Now, I know not everybody can move jobs and I know with everything that's happened, the pandemic and all of those things, that was 10 years ago for me, but it wasn't, I haven't experienced it the same way over the past couple of years. But just a few things to consider of like, if they're not going to pay you in your current role, what else are you getting from it? And if there's not that much, you don't owe them anything. So I've seen so many people be like, oh, but what are they going to do when I go? Or I've been there, blah, blah, blah. They don't care. They will replace you. I've been that person. I'm like, the whole building's going to fall down when I go. And it's like, oh, they just replaced me or they didn't. And it was fine. So first of all, you don't owe them anywhere, anything. You can always move on. Please don't wait for their permission. Please don't think things have to go terribly wrong. In fact, if anything, it is better to move on when things are on a good note than on a bad note. Again, speaking from experience. Secondly, if you can't move on and it's not that easy, Think about how you can make money outside of work. And that doesn't have to be through a side hustle. Like P said, it could be how you invest your money, whether it's investing, whether it's pensions, whether it is freelancing, whether it is buying. I saw a video on Instagram the other day where this guy goes into like JD Sports, buys cheap trainers in the sale and then sells them on eBay for £20 more. Like it, it sounds silly, but there, there are there are always ways in the world to make money. I think we just have to force our thing, force ourselves to look at things in a different way 
So I think that's really important for anybody working full time. And just know that I worked in a business where they said, first of all, they promised me a pay rise and then they didn't give me it and they gaslit me and acted like I'd made it all up. And then when I threatened, well, I didn't threaten to leave. I got a new job on the exact same level, earning five grand more. And when I told them I was leaving, they offered me the money they promised with a promotion. Wait for it. Classic. And it was less money than the new job where I was staying on the same level. Yes. So I actually managed to make by a clever move, and I think I've done this throughout my career of just by being strategic with my move, with that particular move, I think I got a 8K increase in six months because I went in at a level, showed them that I was performing at a higher level. So I, I had to sidestep in a way or stay where I was at, but I knew there was money available in the company because the previous company I was at wouldn't do it until I walked out the building. So I think that all comes down to knowing your worth, but also just being strategic and playing that game. Like always play the game because they're doing it to you. Businesses always have money. And on that note, the other thing I'd say is for the freelancers or anyone self-employed, if ever they say we don't have that much budget, please don't lower your costs, um, assuming that your budget is going to be too high. A big business's budget can often be much bigger than you even imagined. So please don't be influenced by certain language they use. And if they ever come back to you and say, we haven't got that available, be really mindful as to whether you want to cut your costs or whether you need to reframe what you offer, as we mentioned earlier. So I had a situation where they said, we spent what you're asking for is what we spend on our annual budget. And I was like, okay, well then... If that's the case, I have two other product offer offerings that are cheaper um, that you can buy or purchase, or you could speak to other areas in the business and club together more money. But I stood my ground on, I shouldn't lower my costs because that's not what you have available. You're and so it, good at this. Again, I know it's not that easy. I know it comes with confidence, but I think it's just about going, it's that whole thing of like, if you walked into a shop and said, that's too expensive, I'm not going to buy that. The shop owner wouldn't go, cool, I'll just half it. Like, why do we think, cool, yeah. you want that Ganny dress? Yeah, sure, I'll give it for you 50 quid. Like, that's not, it's not how it works. So why do we so readily do it, basically? And, and I, I, that is not to say I don't, somebody says to me, we've got 500 pounds less than that you want. And I don't say yes, I absolutely do. And I'm actually, in our group, I very much always say, but guys, we've got to remember that's actually a really good rate for a day or, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm very, I'm very conscious that, you know, it, money is money. And if you need to get it and you need to save it, absolutely. But before you give up everything or you half everything or you say, yep, I'll do everything you need for that price, really reassess actually where else could they get the money? What else could you offer? And how much do you really want it? Because like we've all said, if you end up resenting it, it's, it'll be a horrible experience for you. Yeah. Sorry, that was a really long one. But no, I just, so I have value. so much yeah. experience on both sides and I know that it is, it's really tough and I just hate to see people miss out on things because of that whole discomfort piece rather than thinking, but what's the long-term payoff? And yeah. also it's like, if they can't meet you with that full budget, you know, what else can you ask for in return? Mm -hmm. So whether that's, I remember you saying to me stuff you know like is it um, a newsletter is it is it x is it y so also opening up that conversation of what else you could get 
and pushing them to yeah. think about it. So don't just come back and say, sorry, we got no budget. Come back and say, we've got no budget, but we thought about how we could support you mm. and here are other ways. Or I'll ask them, if you've got no budget at this time, how else can you reward my time? Yeah. That is not cheeky. That is asking for compensation in return for what you're offering. I would also say, just on your point, Steph, about people in full-time work, to document like everything that you're doing so yeah. when you get to that pay rise point it's like so important this is what i've done because i i never did that in my previous roles and i'd get there and they'd say like what do you think you've contributed this year like what are you most proud of and i'd be like your mind's blank yeah and there was so much i knew, I knew there was a lot but if you can say if you even went as far as I did this and implemented this and I think I've saved the business X amount, like if you can be, and it is a bit long, but if you can go with those points, it gives you way more to go and yeah, just ask for what you need. And what you want, not what you need, but what you want as well. Yeah, what you but what you've earned. It's yeah. not what you need, it's what you deserve. Exactly, that's the I word I'm looking yeah. for, yeah. One also, a power, power sort of phrase that I heard on a podcast once was... Um, when somebody offers you a figure, whether that's full-time work or as a, a freelancer and it's a fee, say, respond with, that's a really good place to start and leave Ooh. a space. Mm. And it's so, so clever because what it allows you to do is, that's not to say you're going to ask for money, but you can say, that's a really good place to start, but I'd also like to talk to you about holiday. Or that's a really good place to start, but I'd actually like to work on a four-day week. So how, how can we work that Love out? That. And it just, it gives you the power it holds that space for you to think about what do I want to say next? And also it just shows them that you're not somebody who just takes a package. And I think actually that six-figure salary book that I mentioned earlier is really good on advising you on how to, once you've got an offer, how to upsell it essentially and how to bulk it out and embellish it so you, you're getting the best possible. Because sometimes I think we are so grateful for an opportunity that we don't, think to push it harder mm, um, I actually heard something at the moment that it, it's the great resignation they're calling it where everyone's quitting their jobs because they're not happy with you know everyone's had that realisation the market's picking back up and there's actually too many jobs and not enough candidates to fill particularly in the marketing and advertising industry and so anybody in that industry I'd recommend right now is you actually have the power to negotiate higher salaries so this is why it's so important to read about your industry what industry news is happening what's happening across the sector you're specifically working or all that business have they just got investment have they just got funding really understanding that stuff because I saw it. I saw a piece. I think it was in campaign where they said brands are willing to pay head of marketing's a lot of money right now because they can't fill the positions. So if you go in with that ammunition, you're much more likely to negotiate a better deal for yourself. So yeah, I think just don't. I think the overall lesson from that is don't settle and don't change yourself if they don't have the budget mm. just go money is everywhere go find it you know what they say money is energy it is yeah it is indeed right guys it's time for a little lap break we wanted to give a big big shout out and thank you to lock 
So for those of you who don't know who they are, Lock basically combines the space of an apartment with the beaut design that you'd expect at a boutique hotel. It has great restaurants, gym space, and a cocktail bar. But the best part is that they have free co-working spaces, which I actually find is really difficult to find. So you will definitely find us there working away, hosting a meeting, or brainstorming our next podcast episode over a coffee. Or if you're a bit more of a digi nomad, which I'm definitely hoping to do more of next year, I'm definitely keen to travel and work more. You can hop from city to city, or you know, if you're working on a project for a few months and you want more space in a hotel, the apartments range from studio size to up to two bedrooms. So gone are the days of overpriced room service and sacrificing floor space for your suitcase. You can actually cook up your own meal. You can roll out a yoga mat if you're on that vibe. Store away all your clothes and still have room for more. Lock have locations across London, Manchester, Edinburgh, Ireland and Germany. So you have plenty to choose from. I've also heard that Berlin, one of my favourite cities ever, is on the way as well as Lisbon and more. So we're absolutely buzzing to say that that feeling when listeners can save up to 25% on your stay with the promo code community at www.lockliving.com we're definitely going to be spending a lot of time there and we hope to see you there too that's the ad break over thank you so much for listening let's get back to our chat so what's made you laugh cringe smile so i recently found an instagram account called dose of society where they go out onto the streets and ask people different questions and it's just random people passing by so they've done one on asking men if they cry they've asked people for advice to their younger selves and it's just these reels and mashups of real people's real stories but it's just so i don't know how to describe it it's just like you watch it and you want to cry you're just like go on humanity people are so kind and it's just that really raw real genuine content and I think especially after the last couple of years that we've had where connection hasn't been a big part of our lives and it is coming back and I do hopefully truly do believe that we are at the kind of tail end of restrictions and whatnot but it's just a really nice reminder for me that that connection still exists and that people still do have those deep rooted peas looking at me like yeah um but it's it's a really nice instagram account to go and follow and i i personally think we're going to start to see more of this content on our feeds i think we've had all of the how-to content kind of the same content from brands And I think that we're going to see more of a surge of this kind of real, honest, human storytelling content. So it really genuinely did make me smile at my phone when I was watching it. You know, when you see something online and you're like, yeah, this is this is really nice. And I sent it to a few people. So if yeah, I would say if you want something to fill your feed with happiness and joy and just to get the perspective of other people and hear different stories, it's called Dose of Society. And yeah, it's just, it's a really nice account. They're also on TikTok. They're quite big on TikTok. Um, but yeah, that's what's made me smile. Oh, that's cute. That I like that. That kind of reminds me of, I guess this is a little bit of a inspiration and yeah, a smiling heartfelt. My heart just feels full just even sharing this. So obviously over lockdown, um, 
I've connected with a lot of people, like so many people have over Zoom, and I've actually made some real DMC, some real deep, meaningful connections, had some deep, meaningful conversations um, with lots of really, really interesting people, had some enriching chats and, you know, just the chats that shift the perspective. And then on the weekend, I finally met um, a few people who... We've been. I've been meaning meaning to meet. So first of all, met my mate Rose. Big up, still chill. She's a mindfulness, self mind, self compassionate mindfulness coach, and she works with a lot of BIPOC communities. And we went to this event by Orb Naturals, and it was like um, a uh, workshop in essential oils. And it was just amazing just to be, first of all, in a physical space with people who, you know, we've been connecting over Insta and over over Zoom, but actually to be in a physical space and actually just to have a chat. Because what I've recognised as well, I guess, in the wellness industry is that there aren't a lot of people from the diaspora, from, you know, BIPOC communities that are actually looking to decolonise the wellness industry. And I always get asked, like, do you know any good yoga teachers? Do you know any of this? And it's like, I actually don't know that many people, which is, it sounds really odd, right? So it was just, it was just really heartwarming to be in a space with actually a lot of Middle Eastern women, South Asian women in a space and actually talking about, you know, rituals that have been obviously whitewashed in the industry and just when we were talking just about reclaiming that narrative and that power and it just felt so wholesome and rich like how that conversation from zoom from instagram obviously now translated in a physical space and we're talking about yeah having having a collabsy in 2022 watch that space but yeah it just felt i actually can't articulate it in words it was one of them ones you know yeah very very heartwarming i love that i feel like now everyone's able to meet again i've met so many instagram friends throughout the pandemic and now I'm meeting them all in person and it's that weird thing of like oh my god I know you but I don't know you and it's yeah. just like it's really nice to actually meet people in real life because you although social media yeah like you can develop a bond through that no you can't beat the real you thing can you you really no. can't stiff on a slightly different note because yours are both very, very heartfelt so I hope I don't sound too piss takey but I've really been enjoying the red flags trend that still seems to be going that everyone's doing um kimai who runs creative champs did the logo won't take you too long to do which i thought was so funny because every client always says that about anything like won't take too long read another one it was like let's just go with the flow also awful like yeah. that is red flag isn't it yeah, like shouldn't take, this shouldn't take too long or um can we get started and um, we could talk about budget later <laughs> no you can't Can no. you sign this contract no we don't really do contracts yeah all of the above, literally. A red flag for me is invoice 60 days. No, thank you very much. Pass. Yeah, I totally... I actually... The other books did a really good piece on why... How inaccessible that makes payment it's for, like, freelancers. Like, I've, I've been 60 there. to 90 days. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I've, I've been there where they've missed the 60 days and I've had to re-invoice. It's so oh. bad. Ugh. No. Long. Red flag... What would your red flags be? When you send over a contract and they say we don't really do contracts I've had that a few times <laughs> it's like okay sounds good that I one. don't really do projects without a contract signed so this isn't gonna work so mine's slightly less heartfelt and slightly more on the offensive side I'm interested to get your opinion on this so obviously for being humble that's in my brand name like I get it. Lots of people say it to me. All of that. Got an email from someone. Morning, Steph. Hope this finds you fucking well. 
<laughs> Are you available on these dates? My client is doing an away day, blah, 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 blah. Maybe half an hour or so. Also quite a loose brief, so I wasn't hugely enticed. At the end, signed with, what you fucking think? That is awful. <laughs> All the best. Awful. Would you reply yes or no? Is that a red flag? Is that a red flag symptom? symptom? I, would rep- I would reply and absolutely annihilate him. Well, I, what do you think? Oh, I kind of rate it. <laughs> no, you do don't. You? No, you don't. no, I'm joking. Well, no, I don't know. I would reply. I think one could have been jokey, but it's quite like that. Hope this finds you fucking well. What do you fucking think? I think, think? that's quite funny, actually. Do you? Like, imagine. I actually think Yeah, but somebody jokes. messaged you on LinkedIn saying, hey, mate, you all right? Oh, and you were I like, we're not mates. That. I hate, yeah. It's like, yeah, good point. I think mates is like not as offensive as Do you know as what? I like this as a story. I think this yeah. is funny as a story. If I got the email... It's I could catch you quite off guard. I don't, I don't know. It's almost like emailing Nike going, just do it. <laughs> but but you're not <laughs> swearing. You know, it'd be, like, it'd be like signing off like, oh, we just want to fucking do something with you, Nike. Yeah, just fucking do it. Let's just fucking do it. Yeah, it's, I, I just think it's inappropriate. It's just... It is, it, I've never met the person... I think it's quite... I think it's jokes. It's Now we're saying it out loud, but I, to get it as a professional Full caveat, email. I did go back and was like, what's the budget? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All depends on what the budget is. And I didn't hear back from them, so I was like, oh, yeah, you definitely wear a red flag. But yeah, I just... Because I, I get a lot of people, when I see them, like, socially be like, oh, fuck being drunk, fuck being on a diet. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I've not heard that one in the past three years. But I lived, that was the first time I've had someone... Verbally say, well, not verbally, in writing say, say, fucking so many times when it was completely unnecessary. Yeah, I think it's some might argue my brand name's unnecessary though, so maybe I I brought it on myself. They are unnecessary anyway. On that note, still waiting for a response. Yeah, well, TBC. Right, should we wrap it up? Yes, mate. Well, I really hope everyone who's listened enjoyed the show. I think one of the things we just want everybody to feel from this is that one, none of us know the answers. We're all figuring out as we go along and with time you will become more money confident. Everything we've talked about today will be linked in the show notes. So if you want to check it out for future reference, please make sure you do. There are some solid references shared today. And also make sure you're following That Feeling When podcast on Instagram and make sure that you add yourself to our That Feeling When Facebook group, both of which will have lots of resources, tips, tools, advice, any upcoming news that you need to know about. As always, you can add us on LinkedIn. I'm Steph Sword Williams. And I'm Daisy Morris. And I'm Poonam Dufa. Thanks for listening. Laters. Bye. With a special thanks to Sarah Parker, our editor of the podcast, and Sinead Taylor, who's done our branding and graphics.